From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. to you wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Douglas with you along with our producer and co-host Elaine Harlan and of course our predecessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey with us and uh, tonight's special guest, a uh, longtime friend here in uh, the Modesto area, a great brother and uh, have the privilege of uh, Praying with him almost every uh, almost every Wednesday, uh, Pastor and Chaplain Mike Atinsky, and uh, we'll be talking not only uh, Mike about uh, Dry Creek Community Church, but also uh, your significant role as a jail chaplain here in Stanislaw County, and uh, just a wonderful ministry. I want to thank uh, many of you who uh, uh, sent us messages of encouragement as uh, I actually was uh, able to get up at 4.30 in the morning. on uh, Really? And, uh, and Mike and I both did uh, Easter <laughs> yes. sunrise services at different places right. uh, this week. And, you know, i got to say, those of you who, who were at Lakewood uh, uh, Memorial Park, thank you for, for yes. joining us. And you know, the first year, Mike, that they invited me to come and, and, and preach there, they said, we'd like you to come do the sunrise, Easter sunrise service at the cemetery. I said, well, they're all dead. <laughs> and they said, no, 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 no. No, live people come. Oh, oh. I thought, oh I said, God. well, you must have heard my preaching. <laughs> Maybe they heard you practice. Yeah, the well, I, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that might be. You know, they're not going anyplace. You've really got to catch them up. wouldn't listen, so you have to go to the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, it was a great time, and just thank all of you for uh, uh, for joining us, those of you who were there. And uh, just a reminder, friends, last uh, last broadcast, we had a great interview with our civics consultant, Mike Winther, uh, from the Institute for Principal Studies regarding the recent uh, second appellate uh, court decision regarding homeschooling. And uh, if you would like to get just that interview, you don't have to wade through the whole hour of last week's broadcast. If you go to our archives at uh, lighthouselive.blogspot.com. I just love saying blogspot. You, you like know. that word. I love that. <laughs> you know, driving down the country road. Oh, I got a blogspot on the window. I did that this weekend, too. You did Lots that. of blogspots. You got a blogspot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just the, log in the Lighthouse Live. I hit every blogspot. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get a letter from Blogspot here no, shortly. Anyway, log into lighthouselive.blogspot.com, and uh, Mike Winther's interview is there, and you can uh, download that if you wish and uh, and listen to that great, uh, great interview regarding the Supreme Court decision. Right now, though, before we go any further, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people be when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news of another real-life Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. It's 2nd Century Rome. 
Justin Martyr is a respected pagan philosopher, but seeing Christians willingly die for their faith consumes him with curiosity, so he reads the scriptures and converts. He even opens a school of Christian philosophy in Rome. As his last act, Justin offers his martyrdom as a witness for Christ, saying, For though we are beheaded and crucified, we do not forsake the confession of our faith. But the more things of this kind which happen to us, the more are there others who become believers through the name of Jesus. For more on brave Christians, go online to persecution.com. And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. Just a reminder, friends, of following tonight's broadcast at 6.30 Pacific time. We have our uh, about a half hour we share with you. Uh, we call it a return to relevancy. And at the moment, we're going through Randy Alcorn's book entitled Heaven. And I was going to say we're going to heaven, but probably we not. We are. We are, ultimately, yes. but I hadn't <laughs> quite planned for this afternoon. But God, you know, has his own timetable. You never know about all of that. Anyway, we'll be talking about Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. We're about halfway through chapter uh, 17 and we'll be going into uh, chapter 18 as well again that's 6 six thirty pacific time and again uh, thank all of you internationally who are joining us a lot of you in germany wow. listening to the broadcast we're so it. pleased to have you with you of course uh, we have uh, some faithful folks in uh, uh, in iraq in the military who listen and uh, israel and um, kiev russia logged in not too long ago great to have you with us as well all right speaking of that uh, appellate court decision let's check in with brad dacus it's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. For those who still haven't heard, a California appellate court ruled that all homeschooling is illegal unless the parent is a credentialed teacher. Now, we at the Pacific Justice Institute have filed a motion requesting the appellate court to reconsider their decision. If they do not choose to reconsider, we will be filing an appeal on behalf of the private Christian school whose homeschooling program was so viciously attacked. In the meantime, parents are encouraged to continue to homeschool, but if they are harassed or threatened because of this ruling, they should contact Pacific Justice Institute immediately for free representation. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Time to take a look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way opportunities for us to serve. Guess what's coming up? The Spring International 2008 with the United Way. This is the golf tournament for this area. This is a biggie. And I know you're Four. big and big time into <laughs> golf. <laughs> Mr. Al is for sure. Now this is they're bringing professional golf back to Modesto, and this is happening April 10th well, that, that through the 13th. That lets me out. <laughs> <laughs> this is happening, friends, at the Del Rio Country Club. I wonder, Pastor Mike, are you uh, into golf, Pastor Mike? T- uh, t- I was on the the uh, the time I graduated seminary. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. you're into this one. This tournament is presented by Foster Farms. It is the Canadian Tours season opening event, and it is recognized as one of the notable tours in the world. Mr. Al, are you interested? You're looking like, wow, I can see you drooling now. It's just $20 for a four-day pass if you're, if you're interested. It's a 50% savings. I know this is sounding good, and this is really cool. But the volunteers are needed, and this Amen. is where it gets – this is where we get interested in. To assist 
assist in all aspects, including hospitality, okay, marshals, spotters, scoring, parking, transportation, runners, security. Now, this is interesting. Adopt a pro, okay? This means that you can house a pro golfer. I'm wondering if Tiger Woods, can you imagine Tiger Woods staying at the Douglas household? I mean, think about it. Think about Tiger Woods coming to your home for like a week. What do you think? Pastor Mike, what, what, what? what? Well, I, yeah, I take I, him out for the taco truck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can, I just, uh, you know, I can't imagine Tiger Woods Tiger, under my roof. Tiger I, Woods. I, I, I mean, I don't even thing. know if Tiger's going to participate in this one, but I mean, just, you know, this is pretty cool. Volunteers are also needed. My kids needed. would kick me out. I'd be living out in the goat pen for a couple <laughs> well, days. Let Tiger have the good but Volunteers room. are needed to work the week prior to the event and stuff event bags or assist with a course set up on Sunday, April 6th. And uh, this is really, really cool. But anyway, dear friends, if you are interested in participating in this, this big golfing event, uh, contact us here at the ABC office or give uh, Barbara Borba a call. We'll give you her number here in just a, a moment. But you know, I volunteered to help at one of those kinds of things before, uh-huh. and they gave me a swim mask and told me to go in the lake and well, there you Retrieve all the golf balls. You know, I, that wasn't a real or the, fun. Or the sandbox or whatever. Maybe a snorkel. <laughs> no, just a mask. No, just a mask. Yeah. Or, or I thought it would keep me busy. Yeah. Everybody, go go find those golf balls and let us know when the tournament's over. Were you trying to go somewhere with this? I think we this? better get off I the golf so. course. The Stanislaw County Mediation Center. That teed me want, off. Yeah, big time. Sorry. You might want to help people solve problems and resolve disputes by helping them communicate and negotiate more effectively. Trained neutral volunteer mediators are needed to facilitate meetings where both parties can openly discuss concerns or issues to come to a mutually agreeable resolutions. Now, uh, this is, <laughs> you're looking at me like, is this for real? Hey, this is for real. Someone Matthew and 18 tr- about that, I think. <laughs> there yeah. really is. Uh, there's something biblical about this, but yeah. they're offering a 30-hour basic mediation skills training workshop, and this is going to be held Saturday, April 19th, and Sunday, April 20th uh, in Modesto, and training provides instruction and interactive role play on topics including landlord, tenant, neighbor, consumer, merchant, property damage, uh, workplace, and interpersonal conflicts. Training is free for volunteers who attend the entire workshop and commit to volunteering. Uh, You must be at least 18 years of age and should have good interpersonal skills and able to empathetically work with people of different backgrounds and stay neutral and have experience and interest in problem solving and the ability to deal with sometimes emotionally charged situations with calmness and confidence. Sounds like your job description there, uh, <laughs> Chaplain Mike. I, think yeah? used... I, I was dozing off. Calmness <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh... I think they supplied boxing clothes and all that. No, I'm just... just uh, that's just a great kidding. need, though. It is a it very really is. great need. Awesome. So that might be... And again, you know, it's it's, it's about relationships and, and, and touching the lives of people it might be a great, great uh, opportunity for you there. And the YMCA of Stanislaus, share your love and knowledge of baseball with youth. There you go. Pastor Mike's doing the YMCA thing over here. Ages three to ten years this spring, volunteers are needed to coach or assist youth in three youth baseball divisions. You know, some of that mediation might come into play here on the baseball field (laughs) with these parents. Yeah, there you go. You know, that is 
a big Seriously, thing. Seriously, that, that Absolutely. is. So, and, and every parent that's involved in Little League or, uh, you know, whatever the league is, you know what happens. The parents become the problem. The, poor, the kids are having fun. You know, they don't care. It's the parents that become the problem. Need these yeah. mediation things. Yeah, so we can there. marry up those two issues there, there the baseball Volunteers thing and, needed yeah. for all these things. <laughs> T-ball, ages three to four years. Coach, uh, pitched ages five to seven. And junior Giants, ages eight to 10 years and umpire for the games practices and games are held Monday and Wednesdays between 5:30 and 7 and Saturdays from 9 uh, to 12 noon and May 10 through June 28th uh, volunteers participate in the league uh, may sign up at the Y through April 19th the YMCA puts Christian principles into practice through programs that build healthy spirit mind and body for you all You ever coached baseball Mike no, I've been drummed out of a few. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what the scariest moment to me in being an assistant coach in baseball is coach pitch. Hmm. You know, because you, you go from t-ball, and and after t-ball you, you do you know a couple levels, and then you go into coach pitch, and that's where the coach actually pitches to his own team. I've hit my own batters. Oh, in co- no. oh yeah, it's just a horrible. And and the father, you know, you hit somebody's kid. I mean, you're pitching to your own team, and and you accidentally hit him, and the fathers look at you like, "What a numbskull!" And you know you're what? still here to tell about it. I'm still here to tell, but it is. And anybody who's done it, you know the feeling. You know, you you, you pitch, you know, a couple hundred pitches yeah. every more than that every season, but it's that one that hits one of your own oh, team members wow. that just gets you down. You know, and that's. Uh, that's what I call Jim Henman, and I'm in therapy. Yeah, practice, yeah. practice, practice. Well, that's the Volunteer Center of the United Way. If you have any questions, especially if you want to get vol- if you want to get involved in that uh, that golf tournament coming up, please call Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113. Or you can give us a call here at 209-544-9571. That's 544-9571, and we would be happy to talk to you we have all kinds of opportunities on our website for you to get involved in and uh, check those daily updates at www.vibrantcommunities.org that's vibrantcommunities.org each and every day opportunities for you to serve and oh what a privilege it is for us this week as we welcome our brother, Pastor Rabbi Chaplin and friends. Oi. Oi, And Michael Latinsky to Lighthouse Live. And we might add to that uh, the cover of the uh, Modesto Bee or one of the pages there in the Modesto Bee recently. Yeah. And, uh, yes, yeah, that's a chilling picture. Autograph our oh, copy oh, here oh, for oh, us. Oh, chilling. Oh, our, 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 our. It, isn't it fun, though? Al's sitting between the two mics. She kept saying, past your mic, asking questions. And I thought it was me and it was you. And we both go, huh? Yeah. We'll have to do an exponential thing there, right? But isn't it wonderful to be able to baptize people in a real river? It is. Isn't that something special about it? It really is. And yeah. it was uh, from the very start, uh, I I was taught how to baptize in a river. And uh, although a little story that I tell people who come to me to want to be baptized, uh, it, was a, it was a very fast river. And it was deep. And it was up at least to your chest. And I had a lady who... Uh, <laughs> wanted me to baptize her. I was able to share the gospel with her, and she came to know the Lord even before I pastored a church. It was 
just as I was being interned. And so she wanted me to do a baptism, so the pastor said it'd be a good time to train you. So I uh, went into the river with him, and uh, he did his baptism, but I n forgot to notice something, and it was very strategic. Uh, the lady came in, and I put her arms the way they were supposed to be and, and <clears throat> said the right things over her, and then I leaned her down into the water. And, and when I did, her feet came <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> oh, no. But that isn't the worst of it. Oh. The, I had her facing upstream. Oh, no. So the water caught her feet like a rudder, and it started turning me to my left, which was backwards, away from the shore. And her feet started going around and around and around me. Pretty soon it was 180 degrees, and I'm twisted. And I pulled her all the way back to, to the position that I began in. Finally, her feet went down, and I brought her up, and she never knew. <laughs> if I would have let go of her, well, she would have been sailing down the river. Uh, depriving her from the oxygen <laughs> yeah, for that right. long. No, she was so joyful and happy when I brought her up. and She was wondering why the people on shore were more joyful than her. It's <laughs> a video so, moment. So I, I learned, put, your, put the feet, face them downstream. Let the water come from behind oh, you like well, and, wind and, filling a sail. And Elaine yeah. had the, the privilege yes. about a year or so ago to get baptized the in the Jordan, the Jordan River. River. Oh, in the Jordan oh, yeah. yeah. oh, River. That great. was so uh, awesome. She also baptized a piece of equipment. Oh, you that she did. Was oh, she did. Yeah. But we won't go into no, that story. No, you already right. did. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I had one man take me down into the river with him last summer. Yeah, yeah. And they oh. caught it on tape. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so now you know how bottom feeders yeah, are right. catfish and things like that, right? Well, the thing was, he's middle-aged like me or a little over middle-aged like me. And so you see two middle-aged men flapping around in the river. <laughs> so it was kind of yeah, funny. Probably a lot of calls yeah. on that one, right? So, <laughs> uh, Michael, you hold lots of titles. Senior well, pastor, of course, in Riverbank, Dry uh -huh. Creek. Yes, yes. And uh, a church that serves. You're out there serving. Praise the Lord. I hope so. Yeah. Yes. You know, and there's always more to do. But, mm. yeah, that's that's been uh, one of the calls I think God has put on our little church because we're just about 70, 75 people, maybe 30 to 40 families. You know, depends on how you count family units. But, uh, but the Lord has been real gracious as far as finances go. Financially, we're... We're just doing fine, and the property is, you know, we don't, everything is paid for except the land, and and so uh, my salary is paid for every once in a while. I think I have to give my tithe just before they can give me my check, but usually it, it works out just fine, but it's, uh, it's I tell everybody now, uh, it, just come, it's a nice, uh, mm. homey country church, and that's really what it's become, it's just like a nice little country church, and uh, so... But there's a lot of challenges yet because God doesn't let you just stay comfortable. He always makes you a little uncomfortable because he calls you to do things that you never expected Amen. he would want you to do. And we have three young people in their mid-20s to 30s now planning to go out full-time missions. Amen. The great thing is, is that they're part of a small church, so they were able to church plant and lead children, lead worship, do Bible studies, uh, go on short-term missions, uh, even overseas, and, and do Mexico trips, and just do everything that was needed in a church. Uh, but the, the downside is it's a small church, and now we need about $90,000 to send mm. out three young people mm. to the mission field. 
about 30,000 each. So we're uh, praying now and being pretty creative in how we can do that. You know, Mike, I grew up and, and served in mega churches. I mean, that's what I know is, is big churches. <clears throat> However, I've come to really appreciate the smaller church because it's so relational. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think it's more in the spirit of those Acts churches that we read about, you right. know, and, yeah. and uh, the, those relationships become so important, not, not only amongst uh, the congregation, but I would imagine for you, Mike, being able to know everybody fairly well right. that, that you see. Yeah. That, that's got to be a tremendous advantage as, as a shepherd. Well, it's an advantage. It's also uh, the part that pains you most mm. as a pastor because mm. uh, you really want the best for everyone, and you believe that God's called you to pastor, not to be everybody's friend. Yeah. And sometimes the things that you have to address or bring to a person, mm. and I'm not uh, – I don't think that uh, I, I'm a confronting kind of person, but – at a point, there's a point where you have to say something that oftentimes when people haven't had that lesson in life, they push it away. They don't mm-hmm. want it. And uh, later, it seems like they appreciate it. You know, I don't think I have any enemies out there, but but uh, we've salted a few churches in town with people that were part <laughs> of Dry Creek, you know. Sure. And uh, But I think that that is... Uh, necessary i think that we have to uh be pastors in a church you know not just caretakers you know know? mike to to go through your life and your ministries and and what's happened we're probably going to need three hours we've only got (laughs) one and we have about i don't know 40 minutes left but let's just let's go back and talk about how you grew up Okay. And the culture that you grew up mm, in, and and, right. and how Jesus entered your life, and right. and let's just because I think that all all of that adds up to who you are today <laughs> you know, in God's okay. hands. Well, thank you for that. I uh, it's a real privilege because, first of all, my wife grew up in a in a country home. You know, her father worked the land. Her mother was a hardworking woman. Uh, she had. Uh, five other sisters and one brother, and her dad used to say, I have uh, one son. and No, I have six daughters, and every one of them has a brother. Mm. And so people would first think it's 12 children, but yeah. it's one son mm. and six daughters. But uh, it was a hardworking family and uh, a generation that, you know, uh, a past generation that really practiced what was right and wrong, respect and honor. But it was uh, it was a, a good solid home, uh, and and I grew up in the same thing. Only I wasn't in the country; I was in Los Angeles. Uh, but my mother and father loved each other. There was never any question that they were not. They, there was never any question that they were not going to be together forever, and uh, they were not strict disciplinarians. My mother, my my mother was very. Uh, uh, tolerant. My father was very tolerant, but they were both hard workers, and they were very honest, and they uh, struggled, and they allowed us children uh, not to worry about the finances or the struggle, but to uh, ec- to respect it. You know, I remember one year as a little boy, uh, my mother ran a market my whole childhood. <laughs> And my father always worked more than one job uh, to keep just food on the table. And so my uh, one year, 
celebrating Christmas. Now, uh, you know that uh, my family is Jewish, mm-hmm. and my heritage is uh, is uh, Jewish, and so, but we celebrate at Christmas. You know, it's just like a lot of Jewish families in Los Angeles. You know, uh, uh, you we you want to call it Hanukkah. We used to go to my aunt's to celebrate Hanukkah, but we had Christmas at home. We're very familiar yeah. with yeah. Hanukkah. You know, so it, it it's a lot of cultural. You know, more cultural influence than anything else. But I remember one year where we used to get gifts when things were good. One year we started getting Avon soap on a rope, you know, and things of that nature. And that went on for two, three years, actually, because uh, my parents were struggling. But we as children never really understood the real problems they were having. And there was a lot of love. My mom, my dad never spoke against my mother. My mother never mm-hmm. spoke against my mm-hmm. dad. They never argued in front of in front of the children, although we knew that mom was upset with dad, and dad was not in the room where mom was for a little while. But but they but they uh, did not have loud fighting arguments in front of us, so we never knew any of that. So we just had a wholesome uh, family upbringing, and and I really thank my parents for that. And my father really loved God. He's with the Lord now. And my mother uh, was not as expressive about God, but I knew she had a silent faith in God and a a trust in God. Growing up in a Jewish home, uh, you just are taught, you're you're just taught God is God. And, uh, you know, I I, I, uh, don't fit in well in some Christian discussions, and maybe you've had these discussions, but I don't believe someone worshiping one they call God is worshiping a different God. Mm-hmm. I think they're worshiping God as best they know him. And who is it for me to, who am I to say that they're not worshiping the God I worship? They don't understand possibly the God I, God as I understand him. I think that's what Jesus came to do was to help us understand God in this way, in certain ways. But, but their relationship is still with God. Same with the Jewish family. You know, uh, we were taught as children, before I was, before I went to school, I learned my only Hebrew. Matter of fact, seminary didn't help me much either. But my, <laughs> the only Hebrew I really learned You're not was, alone in that. Yeah. <laughs> but the only Hebrew I really learned was Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad. And that is the hero of Israel, the Lord our God is one. Mm. He's one God. Mm. And that was my struggle, actually, when I heard about Jesus mm. is that uh, I had to, as a Jew, know that he had to either be God in the flesh uh, and fully God, fully man, and uh, Savior Jesus, Yeshua, means God is Savior. Mm-hmm. And in the mm-hmm. Old Testament mm-hmm. scripture, it talks about uh, God being our Savior and Jesus being our Savior, mm-hmm. so you kind of put two and two together. And you kind of figure, well, if God is Savior, Jesus is our Savior, then God must be Jesus. Jesus and God are one. So I have a little different view, a little different understanding of it, not necessarily a view mm-hmm. about the relationship between God and the Father. Michael, what age? my Jewish background. Can I ask what age you were when that revelation came to you? Probably. You mean about just the one God? About Jesus being About Jesus. Yes, that was Messiah. probably uh, uh, 19 19 mm. years old, okay. yeah. And that was a spiritual 
uh, a spiritual happening in my life. Mm-hmm. But growing up as a Jew, you know, I just believed in God. And uh, my father, uh, in life, kind of like the Deuteronomy passage, he talked about God all the time. Coming in, going out when we're mm-hmm. at work, when we had trouble and problems. We weren't like a praying family, but I knew my father had a sound faith in God. I surprised him a few times. I tell the story all the time. He'd be in the bathroom. Uh, You're never supposed to walk in on anyone in the bathroom, but my father would be in the bathroom, and the door would be a little ajar, and he would be, uh, and I would walk in on him, and there he is standing by the window with a terry cloth towel over his head Mm. and his prayer book, Mm. and he'd be praying. Mm. And I'd walk in on the bedroom every once in a while, and there he is, and he'd be with a terry cloth towel or a shirt over his head. Mm. Uh, He didn't go to all the trouble getting a talith, even though he had one, but he would just cover his head Mm. and quietly pray. And I learned from my father that uh, a humble man, loves God, and he doesn't have to tell everybody about it. Mm. He loves God, and he depended upon God, and God honored that, I think, all through my, my childhood. So, uh, uh, so, so I was prepared in a wholesome home uh, to love God, to believe in God, and to have an honor and respect for my parents. Mm. And I think that is some foundation there that a lot of uh, a lot of homes miss and don't have well i think the whole dynamic of deuteronomy 6 is Mm -hmm. lost Mm -hmm. on many christian homes yes in in america we we just don't embrace the the breadth and depth of what that means and 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 your and and your father lived it out he did you know and and it made an impression on you and uh you know, in so many homes, we, we've abdicated that role hmm. to school or yeah. or even to the church. And, and right. you know, and, right. and the school and the church and all right. those outside things are, right. are, you know, some influence. But we need that in the home, don't we? Well, my, my wife had the same thing in her home. Mm. Again, the contrast. I mean, mm. she being so Anglo and me being so <laughs> Jewish, you know, <laughs> they being in the country, I was in the city. So it's. It's wonderful that God brought us together because she had a wholesome home Mm. and a normal home. And uh, the same thing, the parents lived it out. Mm. They they had a sound, quiet faith that they trusted in God. And her mother was a strict disciplinarian, but her she found out later she got older that it was really her father. He just delegated (laughs) the switching to the mother. Delegated that responsibility. Go take care of your son. Yeah. But but you know, as a testimony to that, my Mm. wife and her sisters, and then also uh, Joseph and I, uh, we spent uh, the last 12, 13 years of her mother's life living in her home with her, Mm. going from here in Modesto to Oakdale and We'd take everything in plastic garbage bags because we got good at packing. And we'd go over to her her home for a whole week, and then we'd come back here for a whole week, and other sisters would take take place. Now, that's a lot of love and honor mm. and commitment. Amen. And uh, they promised the mother that she would be in that home if that's what she wanted. Mm. So she, met the, she went to see the Lord face-to-face uh, in her own bed. Yeah, and awesome. that was because... So, you talk about discipline, 
you know, and how terrible it is to discipline your children. They're going to hate you. You're not, you're not their friend. Well, I think children want parents. And discipline, loving discipline, as the scripture talks about, mm-hmm. is not beating your child, but it is painful mm-hmm. to them. But uh, one of the things uh, I've said and, and I believe I've learned uh, just through circumstances and not reading a lot of books about it, but just observation if you withhold discipline from your children and then they get eye level, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. God gives you all those years right. of uh, proportion for you to bring proportional discipline to the child. And as they get bigger, the discipline can become less and less and less right. or in a different form. But if you don't start with the bottom and work your way up. See, most people today in parenting, they work with the child's mind. Okay, and then they try to get them to sit on their seat and be quiet and patient and learn. Well, God's method is you start at the bottom and you work your way up. Yep. <laughs> you get and their you're attention. Finding, I think it works. <laughs> and you're finding that out now, aren't you, Michael, in the prison ministry yes. where you are chaplain. Right. And we're going to talk about that lots more right after we listen to the group Rush of Fools with their song Undo. And we'll be back on Lighthouse Live. I've been here before Now here I am again Standing at the door Praying you'll let me back in To label me would be only scratching the surface of who I've been known to be.
Russia Fools on Lighthouse Live along with Pastor Mike and Pastor Michael Atinsky and Elaine. And this is just a, a great song. He's the only one that can undo what I've become. And you experience that, Pastor Michael, as you go into the prison systems and minister to these young men and older men and yes. women uh, yes. because all ages yes. uh, as you go and minister to them. Chaplaincy. You know, I, I think one of the neat things about being in, in Christ's service, Mike, is he surprises us mm-hmm. when we make ourselves available. Yes, he and does. I would imagine four or five years ago, probably one of the last things on your mind was being a, uh, a jail chaplain. I oh. mean, uh, to talk to us a little bit about yeah. your entry into this and, and how and, and in just talking to you, you know, this is not something that you do because you think you have to. This is something you you have a passion for it. Well, God has put a divine little <laughs> spark inside of you okay. that, that lit up. And, <laughs> and, I mean, when you talk, when we talk to you about it, you light up. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. this is a passion that you have now. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> over a year ago, over a year ago, you pushed a button. <laughs> but over a year, well, even backing up a little bit, yeah. I was an old Jesus freak. You know, I came to know the Lord in 69, mm. and within six months, I ended up down in Costa Mesa from Al Monte, Garfield, and Rosemead in that area. Peck I know Road. that well, yeah. Okay. I ended up from there down in Tustin, in Costa Mesa, and it was all just a job transfer. Mm. And I told people as a brand-new Christian, you know, the first four or five months of faith. And let me just say, my father came to know the Lord seven years after me yeah. to the very day. And I had a sister-in-law that came to know the Lord on her deathbed. Wow. And I wasn't there and I didn't find out for six more years. Wow. You know, my brother didn't tell me mm. that she said to him, I embraced the Lord. Mm. I embraced Jesus. And mm. she passed into his presence within a uh, half an hour or so. Uh, and I witnessed to her for 15 years, and she said, no, 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 no. And then finally the Lord touched her heart. Same with my father, witnessed to him for seven years, and he said, no, 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 no. And then God touched his heart. Wow. And on the very day I accepted the Lord, seven years later, he accepted the Lord, and he was alone in his room, and I had already given up on him. Exactly. So God is that powerful is just, oh, and wow. able to change lives. And, and uh, yes. And, 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 and he touches our heart. You know, and, and for myself, uh, just a quick testimony. I had a, my mother died. The last word she said to me was, Michael, never accept Jesus, mm. never become a Christian. And then just so happened within a month or so, she died of, uh, of uh, ulcer complications in the hospital. And so I carried that with me, uh, looking for the truth. I was looking for the truth as a young Jewish man and uh, the, found a girlfriend that took me to a Southern Baptist church. And, and I went there for nine months and listened to Pastor Armitage, who I'm sure is with the Lord now, mm. preach the gospel uh, twice a Sunday, you know, for nine months. And I heard so many courses of just as I am and, <laughs> and had no intention ever of becoming a Christian. I was also going to synagogue and learning more about what it meant to be a Jew. And that was the direction I was going to go. And then God spoke to me. Mm. And he said, Michael, he said, Jesus is your Messiah. I want you to go in church, uh, go forward in church and accept him. And I said, no, no, no. This is my imagination. So I turned it off and turned off that thought. And then I'm in in a Bible class, actually, a Sunday school class. 
And uh, again, the voice came. And I said, no, 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 this cannot be the Jewish God. And so then again, the voice came and I said, if this is really you, you know, then then you don't let me miss this opportunity. And later on in church, uh, I was so impressed by that voice saying that Jesus is the Messiah. Having never read the Old Testament, I have to admit, I'd only seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. <laughs> and that was my only defense of remaining a Jew when Christians would come and share with me. But uh, anyways, I said, well, why isn't Moses the Messiah? And then it was explained to me that he had to come out of the house of David and the prophecies, and it made sense. But uh, anyways. So Charles uh, and Heston played a large part that's, in your life. I guess so. But I went forward in church that morning, and the whole church uh, came forward, shook my hand, and welcomed me into the church when I went forward and accepted the Lord. They had all been praying for me. Mm-hmm. So prayer is really the key, you know, to anyone's salvation, and God just spoke. Mm. But I just wanted to, to touch on that because that is pretty much the way I've operated, is that God's got to do it. We can't do it. You know, God's got to do it. It's our pat, our part in prayer and do what God has told us to do and given us an opportunity to do, but we have to trust him to complete it. And so that that is pretty much how I have operated. And now you ask me a question. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk. <clears throat> let's talk about his call, his call for you into uh, the local jail right. uh, system. And um, Mike, what uh, <clears throat> what just inside of you lets you know you know what this Mm -hmm. is where god wants me to be there are not many not many people in our churches today who say in jail is where you know serving in jail is where god wants me to be tell us a little bit about that dynamic and and what what god uh did in your life over the past five or six well i uh our church was started out of a church plant uh that was heralded by uh doug porter of hickman community church uh, he brought me into his church uh, near the after I had finished seminary and said he wanted to see a church planted somewhere in Modesto out of Hickman. Mm. And he gave me a hunting license. Yeah. And he said, I can take anyone I want in that church with me uh, to go and plant this wow. church. So uh, about five families and Betty and I decided to plant this church. And so we planted Dry Creek Community Church. And uh, then about 14 years later, Recently, and you would have read it in the news, Doug Porter is now in our county jail and has been there for quite some time, uh, for over a year now. And uh, I was contacted by his family and asked if I would go and visit Doug because Doug hadn't had any uh, consistent visiting uh, coming his way. And so, uh, especially pastoral visiting, he just didn't have it. So I was asked by his wife if I would go as his pastor and and visit him. Well, we had, we had a, a close tie, but we hadn't really seen each other on a regular basis for years. Just once a year, twice a year, I'd get to see him uh, just to touch base because uh, Doug Porter was like a Pastor Jaeger in a sense, you sure. know, just, just a dynamic. A First, a first Baptist legend here yeah, in Modesto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's just a dynamic man still is, I believe. And so Doug uh, ends up in this uh, in jail and, and uh, is doing well spiritually, but his family just has a heart grief for him mm-hmm. being there. So they contacted me and asked if I'd visit him. So how do you turn that down? 
you know, I, I was already thinking I needed to go see him somehow. Yeah. And uh, so I went ahead and applied for a pass, and I was given a jail pass. Uh, and so I started to see Doug on Sunday nights. Every Sunday night I'd go over and we'd have Bible study and mm -hmm. share and mm -hmm. prayer. And I learned more from him than he would have ever learned from me. And I think I was encouraged more from him than he was encouraged from me. But I think it was kind of mutual. And so uh, during that time, after about six months, uh, Chaplain Woods, I, I think I can say that. Sure. I don't want to mention too many names, yeah. but Chaplain Woods uh, uh, went on to work in the gospel mission there in Turlock. And so that position became open. And Doug said, Mike, why don't you apply for that? And uh, I, I said, yeah. He said, yeah, why, why don't you do that? And I thought, no. I, but I said, well, I'll pray about it. Well, I prayed about it. And that uh, always that always does it. That does it. it. Mm -hmm. So this is the surprise. I yeah. did enjoy going into the jails, and I met with Doug. I also met with two or three other inmates mm -hmm. that heard about me coming in. So, and I loved it because I'd see some of the inmates come to know the Lord. And how often does a pastor get to sit across from someone and lead them to the Lord and actually have someone who wants a Bible study, you know, at any cost? So it's interesting how God makes all these connections. He starts That's to right. connect the dots That's for right. the pastor that sent you out, and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, then yeah. he's in uh, in jail, and, and God brings you, and then the opening. Right. And we're going to get the rest of the story in a minute right okay. after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus's command in Matthew 22:39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about AVC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. 
Habitat and ABC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. ABC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. ABC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. ABC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. ABC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities, faith in action, pure, simple, proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live, carrying out the biblical mandate to love your neighbors as you love yourselves. And Pastor Michael Atinsky with us tonight and uh, doing just that in the prison ministry. And, and Michael, there are many, many needs, uh, as you are out there uh, as chaplain, mm -hmm. serving in the ministry. And you want to uh, talk about those needs as you see them. Yes. And, uh, you know, I enjoy being able to share my story but uh, it's really not my story that I, I want to get out. I want, uh, I want people, first of all, to know that the, uh, the uh, deputies and uh, those who run the facilities and those who are out there every day on the line, mm -hmm. uh, walking the halls and dealing with the inmates, when the inmates are not uh, as pleasant mm -hmm. as they should be or cooperative, that there is a high level of professionalism mm -hmm. and uh, real integrity. I remember uh, Sheriff, uh, and I can say his name, Sheriff Adam Christensen. Oh uh, yes. He, uh, I had, you know, he invited all the pastors to come mm -hmm. and just meet with him whenever. And uh, so I, at the time I was praying about being a chaplain, I, uh, you know, applying for that position, I went ahead and met with him. And, uh, and he was very gracious, and he spoke about integrity, mm -hmm. integrity and honesty 
and what he held as being important for his uh, deputies. And I have to say, working with them in all three facilities now for, well, really a year, but professionally maybe the last six months, uh, they're a fine group of men and women there. And, you know, that has to be the hardest job to go in and have to interact with men and women at their worst. And these are not children. These are adult men and women who can actually inflict real pain and uh, cause real trouble. But there is a there is a brotherhood among the deputies that I admire, men and women. I really admire. Have to say a little envious. You know, uh, I don't think they see me in that same light. Uh, I, I'm not putting my life on the line as they are. I believe they truly are. There's uh, dangers you, you couldn't even imagine that goes on in the jails at times. And uh, men and women can be so creative in the ways of evil. But God has given us that creative creativity for good. But I have actually uh, been welcomed in with certain restraint uh, into, I won't say the full brotherhood, <laughs> but but I've been welcomed in as, sure. as uh, uh, someone that uh, they see as maybe part of the team. I would like them to think of me in that way, that I'm just a part of the team. And when we meet with the volunteer chaplains, clergy and laity, and I'll explain that in just a moment, I always tell them, I say, you know, we are here to minister to the inmates, but we're also here to minister to the deputies Amen. and make sure you're mm-hmm. praying for them, make That's sure you're praying sense. for their safety. And, and we actually have, if one of our chaplains ever argues with a deputy, uh, we'll pull their pass. I will recommend their pass be pulled mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they are there to protect and uh, to preserve the peace within uh, uh, facilities that are very good facilities, but still housed uh, housing men who can be very and women who can be violent and deceptive and hard to get along with. So we want to come alongside of them in that. So as they're dealing with protection and and guarding and uh, preserving that peace, uh, we come as chaplains, as part of the team, to uh, bring uh, salt and light and a spirit of love and joy and happiness as we should. You know, it shouldn't be a chaplain if you can't go in there and express love and joy. You know, what's the point? You know, that's part of the problem. And they're very good at looking past the veneer yeah. and seeing what's mm-hmm. inside. Yes, and what yes, they sense uh, is the authenticity that right. you bring. Mike, we've got about uh, two, three minutes left. Okay. Yes. Let's hit uh, some of the needs that you have in terms okay. of partnering to serve the inmates. Mm-hmm. It is very simple. Uh, we need, right now we have 152 chaplain volunteers. Uh, we could use 300. Mm. And out of that 152, we probably have 40. 45, and I won't say names, but 40 or 45 that are able to be consistent on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. And so we need uh, 300 to cover all the bases so that we just have uh, chaplains of every faith in there all the time so that we can uh, cover all the tiers and all the units 
and uh, and it seems like a lot, but it really isn't. What are you looking yet. for specifically? We're looking for first of all pastors of churches or religious leaders of uh, uh, imams, uh, Jehovah Witness uh, ministers, uh, Mormon bishops. Uh, uh, we are looking for those who are heads of religious communities who will who will apply for a jail pass for themselves. And then we would like them to recruit out of their own congregation four more people, two women and two men uh, at least to begin with, to be a part of a team, a jail team, and come into the facilities and work within the rules and the guidelines that have already been set. And we have a manual. I have a manual here and I have a brochure and and we have a, a sheet of rules uh, that need to be adhered to and for safety's reasons. And so we would like to see that happen. And that's happening. There seems to be uh, a, lot of prayer a surge and a lot that, of huh? prayer behind it. And Amen. so, so we're, uh, if people are interested in becoming part of this jail ministry, we do not accept individuals unless they're connected to a religious uh, group. So Mike, how can they a get a hold of you to express uh, Very simply, uh, Chaplain Atinsky. Uh, Chaplain, C-H-A-P-L-A-I-N, Atinsky, A-T-I-N-S-K-Y.com, www.chaplainatinsky.com. There's a website. You can register your name, say, I'm interested. And I'll contact you. Amen. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening at home. Join us next week as Marty Lancer, Clear Channel's Flying Blind Traffic, joins us. Have a great week. And thank you for listening. God bless you.